0: The Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7, and I'm your host, Michael English. Today, we're going to be talking about alternative milks that's right milk that does not come from a cow and to help us learn more about alternative milks we have megan mcneil and allison casson why don't you to tell our listeners a little bit about what you do here at cincinnati children's
0: thank you michael we are registered dietitians we work within the division of nutrition therapy here at the hospital Um, megan and i work in outpatient clinics we talk with families who have kids with milk allergy, um, and really all food allergies. Um, so we give them counseling on how to avoid the foods they are allergic to, but also how to find adequate nutritional replacements to help with their growth and development and also quality of life. So important to maintain.
1: All right. So thank you. And I mean, any parent knows that milk is important. I have kids, and my pediatrician said, "Make sure your kid drinks milk." I never bothered to ask why. So why don't you tell our listeners, uh, Megan? Why don't you go tell us why is milk important for kids?
2: Sure. Um, so in healthcare, we always start by thinking about the guidelines, and we kind of um, adjust as needed for different kids' needs. Uh, so the U- USDA dietary guidelines and the North American Society for Pediatric gastrology, hepatology, and nutrition, which is a mouthful, so basically to say the uh, GI experts, recommend toddlers specifically have about two to three servings of milk a day, and that's more because of efficiency. So from a volume perspective, you're getting a lot of um, protein, calcium, potassium, and vitamin D, which helps meet the needs for these young kids. Um, and that's kind of where I'm gonna start with that.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. So uh, clearly, very important um, kids need it yeah. but sometimes a kid may come in and as it turns out they can't drink milk for one reason or another um, then what do you do how do you replace all those
2: nutrients
1: um, obviously there's supplements but people like their milk and this is where alternative milks come in
2: sure so again it will go back to it's individualized and kind of um, based on what and certain kids will need Um, but there are opportunities to replace milk with plant-based milks. Um, for a toddler, we would recommend, um, soy milk specifically as a good substitute if you're not able to have milk, whether if you have a milk allergy or you are lactose intolerant. Um, because soy milk is the most nutritionally similar to milk cow's milk, although it's not the same, but from a protein standpoint, um, it's going to be similar. Also fortified, um, Soy milk is going to be important to pay attention to because we want to make sure that calcium and vitamin D are added back into the soy milk when it's made.
1: Okay, so there's like just soy milk and then there's fortified soy milk. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: You are correct. So with plant-based milks, they're not all made the same, which is why they get tricky. Um, So you could have soy milk that isn't fortified, that wouldn't have that calcium and vitamin D, which again, toddlers specifically are what we're focusing on, but it does help for other kids that are older as well as adults who need calcium um so that fortification piece if we're getting our calcium and vitamin d from that is important to pay attention to right
1: so if a parent let's say you tell them hey if you can't give your kid cow's milk which i'm it sounds like that's the preferred route to go am i is that correct
0: It is. You know, we don't work for the United Dairy Farmers Association or anything, but we do, as dietitians, pediatric dietitians, like to use cow's milk. Um, It's kind of an ideal beverage for young children. Um, As Megan said, it's a great source of fat and protein and then some trace nutrients. Um, You know, it's really important when we talk in pediatrics, and we talk about this in every area of pediatrics, kids are not little adults. Uh, They have really high calorie and nutrient needs. Um, So if you think of it this way, a toddler, uh, a young toddler needs three to four times as many calories as I do as an adult female per pound of body weight. So, you know, based on our weight alone, um, toddlers have such extraordinary nutritional needs. Um, not only that, but their bellies are really small too, so you can't fit a lot in them. So everything you put in there needs to be really well thought and efficient. And that's why we like cow's milk as a beverage, because it's really efficient. Megan referenced, um, some milk alternatives like soy milk that are similar. Um, so that's good to use, um. But there are, you know, reasons that we like cow's milk as the alternative.
1: Okay. So barring. Uh, or being as, able- the,
0: as the standard, rather.
1: As is the standard. Okay. So barring being able to drink cow's milk, you have soy milk and you want it to be fortified to sort of, I guess, add in the things that it's missing as a result of not being cow's milk, correct? Am I, am I understanding that correctly? All right.
0: Yes. You know, it's interesting if you go back in history, cow's milk itself has some things added to it too. Um, Vitamin D isn't naturally in dairy products. It's actually added, um, which a lot of people might not realize. You know, a a long time ago, we saw lots of vitamin D deficiency. And as kind of a public health initiative, vitamin D was added to cow's milk. Why it's such a great nutrient source.
1: That just blew my mind. I had no idea. I I really I did not know that Um, so you mentioned soy milk some people for one reason or another uh, can't digest soy or they just don't like the taste of it I will say I'm one of those people Um, my body betrayed me uh, some time ago to where I can no longer really do milk especially in my coffee RIP cream (laughs) And I went through uh, uh, several years of trying to figure out a substitute, and soy was not it. We'll get to what my substitute later Mm -hmm. is. Um, So if they can't do soy, um, what about some of these other alternative milks that that are out there? Does anything actually really come close? For instance, I hear a lot of people switch to almond milk with the thinking that, well, an almond is a nut, and a nut has protein, so... That must be close to uh, to cow's milk.
2: So believe it or not, almond milk has zero grams, if maybe one gram of protein in it per serving, whereas cow milk has eight grams of protein. So that's a misconception we see a lot: is that almond milk is a good replacement. Which for an adult, if you're getting your protein through different sources of you know meat, beans, things like that, that's okay. But for a kid, if they're getting one of their main sources of protein through milk, It's not a good substitute. Another substitute we can recommend a lot often is um, pea protein milk. Um, It actually has about the same amount of protein as cow's milk as well. So fortified pea protein milk can be a good substitute if soy milk isn't an option.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I don't... I've never tried pea protein milk. i I have to check it out.
2: I know. You know,
0: the little kids, when we recommend this in clinic, they scrunch up their nose and they're like, oh, I don't like peas. Um, but really all it is is it's a golden pea. It's different than the standard English green pea that the protein has been extracted from and then added to this milk with sometimes a little sugar and sometimes a little flavoring. And then there's important things like calcium and vitamin D to make this milk-like beverage um, that's actually really... Efficient nutritionally because it has um, protein and fat.
1: So, you know, you, you brought up a really good point. You you know, if you're going to be taking this milk out, you have to have an accept, acceptable substitute for the kids. You know, uh, because kid may hear, he, we're going to give you some milk made from peas, and they're like, I don't really want green liquid on my cereal. <laughs> so we you know when it's when we're talking about um things outside of a nutritional perspective when it comes to just what milk does for your for the happiness it brings to your to your daily meals
0: ice cream ice
1: cream yeah so uh ice cream cereal coffee um Kids probably shouldn't drink coffee. This is a personal experience. Um, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when it comes to that, uh, uh, like how how different are these alternative milks, at least from basic usage? Is this just really about hey, just get your vitamins in? Does is it does it become that, or are there things that are actually pretty close to consistency and usage of cow's milk?
0: so I, I think the point you're making brings up a really good argument about what type of milk to use, right? Because first and foremost, if we're talking about pediatrics, the child needs to eat it. They need to consume it to glean any nutritional benefits, right? So if the child's not going to, if the child's going to refuse this said milk alternative we're discussing, it doesn't matter what vegan or I think is the best because the child needs to eat it. Um, so there's kind of two things. One, we want to make sure their nutritional needs are covered with, other, with whatever alternative we're using. Um, but then also quality of life, as you referenced, is really important. We're less worried about what milk someone uses in their coffee or their cereal or uses for baking. That doesn't matter as much because the volume intake is quite low. But if we are talking about a primary beverage for a child to drink, again, remember these small children have small bellies. Um, so we don't wanna put eight ounces of 60 calorie, one gram protein almond milk in that little belly. We wanna put something more nutrient dense. And sometimes that's a hypoallergenic formula that's milk free um, that has, say, 250 calories in eight ounces and then eight grams of protein. And lots of vitamins and minerals. Sometimes that's a better option. And then let the child put almond milk in their cereal or cashew milk, or, you know, there's so many alternatives now. So we can kind of mix and match things. It doesn't have to be a one size fits all approach.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Um, And I, I guess, you know, I know a few people that have a virtual cornucopia of milks in the refrigerator. And it's probably for that reason, right? They're using it for for a lot of different things. Does that requirement change uh, with age? Like, you know, you've mentioned toddlers, but, you know, let's say like a teenager, maybe playing sports or that sort of thing where maybe nutritional needs, particularly protein is a little bit different. Um, Does that milk requirement change at all?
2: So, it's going to be individual and it's going to be looking at that person's diet and seeing what they're eating. So, from a protein standpoint, if a 16 year old boy is doing a good job of getting in eggs, meat, you know, different things like that, we're less worried about his source of protein coming from milk because he's gotten it through those other means. Um, and in terms of calcium, if he's eating cheese and yogurt, we don't have to worry about the calcium needs being met through milk. Also, if he doesn't like yogurt or cheese, um, we could recommend a calcium supplement, which is something we do often, because that is efficient.
1: Is, is that the thing that you see missing uh, most often from these alternative milks? Is it like the calcium and protein? or
0: that's a, I'm really glad you brought that up, because that's something that Megan and I talk about a lot. Um, there's an assumption with um, a, someone who has a milk allergy that they need more calcium, if you're avoiding milk, you must be calcium deficient. That's what, some of what a lot of people assume, right? And it makes sense. But if you're using a lot of these milk alternatives that are often highly enriched with calcium and really designed for adults and not designed for little kids, some of these little kids, if they're using a few servings of the milk alternatives daily, they can get too much calcium which is really interesting. Um, and then if you have maybe a well-meaning pediatrician recommend that their milk allergic patient take a calcium supplement, assuming that they are calcium deficient, uh, that child might be getting a lot of calcium from their milk alternative, a lot of calcium from an additional calcium supplement recommended by another healthcare professional. Um, we, we can see that calcium add up.
1: So when when a parent goes into a grocery store and they say, "Okay, I, I need to figure out what type of milk I'm going to get," um, what should they be looking for on a label? Because it sounds like calcium is not an issue, mm-hmm. um, but what about some of the other things? Uh, like you said at the beginning, Megan, that milk has in it. You know, how do how do parents sort of figure out the best option for their kid um, beyond you know your recommendation of soy? And even then. I'm guessing that may vary from brand to brand, as far as quality.
2: Yeah, so it's going to depend on the kid's age, what they're eating, you know, every day, um, and that's kind of where getting to work with healthcare professional, healthcare professionals, or specifically dietitians can make this a little bit easier of a choice. Um, but in general, things to look for would be protein. Um, considering calcium, but also making sure that they're getting, they're not getting too much calcium because younger kids actually can have too much calcium from those fortified milks. So it's something to take into consideration. Um, Allison, do you have anything? Another important con- thing to consider
0: when choosing an alternative milk is the sugar content. Um, some of these, to make them taste delicious, <laughs> have a lot of added sugar. Um, This uh, new, there's a new uh, campaign in the U.S., uh, Healthy Drinks, Healthy Kids, that recommend um, children should consume water, milk, and avoid added sugars, um, like things like juice and soda. Um, So in their recommendations, part of the added sugars um, come from uh, milk alternatives. Um, So we would recommend choosing a milk alternative with as little sugar as possible.
1: Okay. And that makes sense. And that seems like something that most parents would be able to look at pretty easily on the label. You see the number of grams there. Um, are there any sort of benchmarks for some of the other stuff? Like you mentioned calcium a few times. Is there a benchmark where you say, hey, listen, that's too much calcium for your kid?
0: You know, you look at some of these brands of milk alternatives, it says 45% more calcium than cow's milk. And that's great if you're using it like one serving a day in a smoothie or putting a little in your coffee, it's a nice boost, especially for older kids and adults. For little kids, you know, we're talking about the toddlers, um, their calcium needs aren't very high. Their calcium needs can be met with one serving of some of those milk alternatives. So we recommend more um, a volume recommendation. So if you have a young child who's drinking milk, we like to keep it to 12 to 24 ounces a day. Um, for those milk alternatives. One, to limit overconsumption of calcium. But two, we don't want to fill up their little belly, again, with a not very nutrient-dense product.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. that. I mean, that makes sense. All right, so what should parents be looking for in terms of whether or not milk is a problem for their kid? What are some of those indications?
0: So... There are a variety of reasons that an individual may need to avoid milk, um, not just by choice, um, but it might be medically indicated to avoid milk. Certainly, we see young children with milk allergy, and milk allergy can come in different forms. Um, when you have an allergy to milk, you are allergic to the proteins in milk. Um, Allergies um, could include IgE-mediated allergy. Those are more anaphylactic type allergies or, you know, can present in milder forms but with hives um, or maybe immediate vomiting in young children um, or infants who have that allergy. Um, So there's IgE-mediated allergy. There is something called non-IgE-mediated allergy in um, young infants and toddlers. Um, That can include allergic practicalitis, um, which is really just a big word for um, blood in the stool uh, related to milk intake. And we see that present in infants and could progress into toddlerhood. So those um, kids are advised to avoid milk as well. Uh, we see young children with something called eosinophilic esophagitis often avoid milk. Milk is the most common trigger for EOE, is the acronym for eosinophilic esophagitis. Um, So we see lots of kids avoiding milk for that reason, too. Am I missing any other milk allergies, Megan? I think you've covered... Okay. Yeah, Yeah, those are the big ones. Oh, also something called food protein-induced enterocolitis syndrome, or F-PIEs for short. Um, that can occur in infants and then also progress into toddlerhood too. Um, So kids with F-Pies often avoid milk as well. So those are all allergies related to the protein in milk. But then we also see kids with lactose intolerance. Uh, They have trouble digesting lactose, the sugar that's in milk. So it's different in terms of, you know, the pathophysiology or the reason for avoiding milk. But similar in the sense that the nutrition approach is often the same, you know, they're often avoiding major sources of cow milk.
1: So is that something that's sort of seen right away, like kids and infant? um, Or is that something that can progress over time? Like if, you know, if a teenager, you know, can they develop a milk allergy?
0: Not typically, no. Um, They might start milk avoidance diets for other reasons. Um, Say something like eosinophilic esophagitis could be diagnosed later in childhood, um, and that would um, then proceed to possibly a milk elimination diet. Um, There might be some kids who have IBS or irritable bowel symptoms with certain dairy products, and that's also often uh, related to the lactose content. Um, So it's not common to see a true allergy uh, develop later in life. Usually true allergies are diagnosed early, um, but we can see some intolerances that can develop throughout the lifespan, um, and those can involve milk.
1: Yeah, that's me. That's me. My body decided. <laughs> Welcome want, to the club. Yeah, they didn't want me to have nice things. Apparently, so obviously, if a kid has any of these issues and they can no longer drink cow's milk, they're going to have to do something else. So, what foods can they take in to really help fill that void that's left by them no longer being able to drink cow's milk?
2: Sure. So, if we start off with protein. Um, You can get protein, obviously, through sources of um, meat, through eggs. Also, beans are a really great source of protein, as well as nuts and seeds. And then if we dive into thinking about um, getting different sources of calcium through foods, you can get it through plant-based sources. So that's leafy greens. Again, beans can be a a source of calcium. um, Tofu. But the piece with plant-based sources for calcium is they're not as absorbed quickly in the body compared to animal sources. And also the volume of calcium in those plant-based sources is going to be much smaller. So you would have to eat an abundance of each food throughout the day in order to meet your calcium needs through those alone.
1: You said beans a couple of times. (laughs) There's not a bean milk, is there?
2: No, but did you know there's a banana milk?
1: No, I had no idea.
2: And a potato milk.
1: A potato milk. Banana milk sounds good. A potato milk sounds awful. I like my potatoes baked or fried, not not milk.
0: You know, I did see, I don't know if I can plug a local bakery, but I did see see a red bean milk served at a local bakery. Wow. Which I'm intrigued by because I love Asian food, and a red bean ice cream is my jam, so... (laughs) A red bean milk um, would be really delicious if it's milk-free. All
2: right. Well, I don't know
1: about you guys. Actually, I do know about you guys. You guys probably didn't learn much at all, but I certainly learned a lot today. Um, any final thoughts on our discussion today about alternative milks?
0: Yes. I. You know, kind of to summarize, there's a bit of a hierarchy nutritionally of how the plant-based milks um, are. You know, we have soy and pea protein-based milks being optimal in terms of their protein content. Um... From there, always check the, the label. You know, if you're looking for a good calcium source, check the label. You want around 300 to 450 milligrams of calcium per serving. Uh, but if it's a young child, you don't want them to drink more than two or three of those servings because they'll get too much calcium. Um, For the older kids who are eating good sources of protein, like Megan mentioned before, the type of milk is less important. It's probably more um, based on their preference and maybe lower sugar content um, and with a good source of calcium to boost their intake. Um, But from there, you know, anything like almond milk or cashew or oat milk um, is a really nice alternative. Those are all fine to use, even hemp or banana or Flax um, is another option. Um, The possibilities are really endless. We're seeing a lot of things on the market now. Um, So for older kids, the nutritional value is less important um, unless they need some calcium.
2: And I think the big takeaway is it's going to be individual. Um, I think that you really do want to check the label because even within brands, it can vary on what calcium, protein, things like that are available. And... Just a quick shout-out to dietitians. We're a great source if you're unsure of what to do. We are happy to kind of go through someone's diet, think about their nutrition needs, and make recommendations that are you know, easy for the family to follow but also hopefully enjoyable for the kid to drink to make life easier.
1: That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, Megan? Allison, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the work that you're doing here at Cincinnati Children's to make sure all our kids are getting what they need. This episode was recorded on April 6, 2022. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes. Our theme music was created by Stephen Greco. This episode was produced by Bo McMillan.